The All My Favorite People podcast is proudly sponsored by Peace Love T-Shirts. Go to peacelovet-shirt.com to see the entire All My Favorite People collection of shirts, hats, and bags. While you're there, check out the other collections from our collaborators like Healing and Hope, The Controversy, and Ink Happy. Go to peacelovet-shirt.com and use code FAVORITE for $5 off your first order. Thanks for listening to another episode of All My Favorite People. Today with me, I have author James Fink, and he has written the book, You Don't Need a PhD to Find G-O-D. Hey, James, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brittany. Of course. Well, we were just chatting, but you and I found one another on Instagram, which I'm going to turn my phone off because it literally just chimed at me as I was saying this. And... Um, we uh, connected over our my newfound love of apologetics and your book, which uh, goes into apologetics and what that is. And um, so why don't we just start off with you sharing a little bit about yourself and your family, and then we can learn, all of us together can kind of learn what is apologetics. Sure, sure. No, thanks. Uh, thanks again. Really, really appreciate having me. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, James Fink here, actually just being introduced as author James Fink. If you had said that a year ago, I would have just laughed, you know, because uh, like we were talking about before, this is not my uh, not my trade or something. You know, I've been in the insurance business now, uh, kind of been a business person um, throughout my career. That's what I studied and, and um, that's where I've been. But yeah, God's plans are always better than our plans, you know? And so, like I said, I, I would have laughed at it, but now, um, now here we are. So born and raised here in Connecticut, um, Connecticut, Connecticut person, went to school, um, in Rhode Island, met my wife there, my wife, Tiffany there. And, um, now I grew up in a big family, oldest of five kids. So I'm kind of, um, used to that, your house being a zoo and now I have my own because now I have three, uh, three of my own, eight, six, and four. All right. So hence why you and I were made sure, Hey, we need to do this during school hours because sure. otherwise, you know, I'll sometimes have meetings and you know, sometimes it doesn't matter, but if it's anything where I need at least a little bit of privacy, I have to lock this door because, yes. um, I mean, you know, like the kids don't care at all. No, you know? I not mean, at they all. Don't, especially my four year old. She'll just burst in. Uh, <laughs> so if I'm on the video, which you know, Zoom is like a part of everyone's lives now. It yeah. seems like um, if I'm on something like that, then uh, the door, if I'm working from home, the door has to be locked. So I do appreciate you doing it during, during school hours. Of course. I, I, one more thing I would say is just that when I saw, you mentioned that we, um, that we met on Instagram, I would just say when I saw, I love your ministry. I think it's awesome uh, what you're doing and just, you know, it, it's, it's new and it's fresh. And, but when I saw kind of the concept of um, people who have taken, you know, their past pain, mistakes, mess, all these kind of things um, and turned them into their mission, that spoke to me. And, you know, it's like, listen, we need to, because I think that's something that and we'll get into it probably as common for anyone is this feeling like 
man, my, I've made so many mistakes. You know, I've made so many mistakes in my in my life. Um, and that applies to everyone. Why? Because we're all sinners. <laughs> so everyone's going to feel that way. And so it's this feeling like, um, you know, I've done so many bad things in my life or I've made so many dumb choices in my life that how could God use me? You know, maybe you've even felt that way before. You know, how could God use me? I've done so many dumb things. But you look at the Apostle Paul, right? <laughs> I mean, I talk about this. You look at Paul. What's he call himself, right? Like, and you, you've got a business-minded um, crowd, so yeah, business-minded uh, listeners. So that this will this will make sense. I, I always put it this way: it's like you know, like a a CEO, you know, chief executive officer, obviously a CEO. Well, Paul called himself the CSO. You know, he called himself the chief sin officer. He said, "I'm the chief of sinners." He said, I, "I'm I'm the worst of sinners." And and anyone who knows his story. Um, if you heard about kind of the first half of his life or so, you'd say, wow, this is kind of a horrible guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all the things that he did. For sure. um, meanwhile, now he's written half the New Testament and God used him in amazing ways. So when I'm talking to people, I always tell them, um, you think you've done something that's too bad that God can't use you? Mm. The chief sin officer wrote half of the New Testament. So um, anyway, I just really appreciate your ministry and... Oh. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on, to be, to be able to talk with you. Well, thank you. I so appreciate that. So you have written this book and, um, this term apologetics is if you're unfamiliar with it, you're not alone. Um, I think, you know, in maybe school, like university Christian circles, that's probably something you hear quite a bit, but if you're outside that community, um, maybe it's just a term you've heard in church or you've heard in Christian circles and you're not exactly sure what it is or what that means. That would put you in the category like me. I even didn't know a handful of months ago what the term apologetics means. If I'm being honest, it sounds like you're saying sorry for what you believe. Right. And uh, that's actually not what it means. So maybe you could educate us um, and just share briefly what, it, what are apologetics. Um, and then we can go into why you wrote the book and why apologetics are just so important for Christians to understand. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, so just by definition, apologetics, Christian apologetics is a rational defense of the faith. That's that's really what it means is um, it's a defense of, of your faith. And so I'll tell you too is I was in that camp. I think I was reading about it for a long time. I didn't even know the term Christian apologetics. You know, it's not something that I went out and... Um, you don't really hear it all that much. I, at least I didn't, you know, growing up or anything in church um, where there are elements of it. And like you said, your ministry isn't, you know, it is an apologetic. It, it serves that purpose. Yeah. But it's not a term necessarily that you hear um, all that often. It's becoming more and more and more and more important, mm -hmm. you know, as we start, we talked about before we started just about kind of how culture is changing and just how things you know, politics and culture and everything, you know, things that you touch on uh, in all these different episodes that you've done that I've enjoyed. Um, we need to be able to defend our faith. Um, we need to be able to discuss it. One of the reasons why I think that it is probably maybe even underserved at a lot of churches is because when you know God, when you know the living God, when you have a relationship with him, um, I don't really need to be able to justify the Big Bang Theory or moral laws or any of these things. I don't need them um, to know that 
you know, he is God. He is the king of kings. I've got a personal relationship with him. So that's where the rub comes in is believers, um, we know him. You know, we know him. And so we're not necessarily sitting there and saying like, you know, I need to make sure that I am have my scientific facts lined up and have, it's like, no, I know it's true because I know God. Yeah. The challenge with that though is when you deal with skeptics or you deal with really anyone else out there or you're training up your kids to go out into into the world to an increasingly hostile world um if you can't explain why you believe what you believe it does make it very difficult um i'll give you a quick story um if that's all right all right so so um and you probably read in the book i actually broke my foot playing tennis uh the night before thanksgiving that's a whole separate issue but i played a lot of tennis is, is the point uh this last um really last summer I played a ton of tennis my two brothers my dad and i um you know how that can get with family too it's like you'll act crazier around your family than with anybody i mean it's like i would never act that way with anyone else but you know you'll the, the competitive juices get flowing you know sure. um so uh anyway we're playing tennis and you know how it is you're on a court you're playing and usually there's some adjacent courts, you know, and so there was a court um, directly next to ours and there was a group of girls that were probably high school age. We were at, a, we were at the local high school, so they were probably high school age girls, you know, and they're, they're, you'll be shocked. They were talking a lot in between the, in between the, uh, the matches and everything, you know, and they were actually getting into some kind of, you know, deep conversations and I'm sitting there, we're in the middle of our intense game and it's like, they're kind of on the, you know, they're only a few feet away on the, you know, the periphery and um, having their conversation and we're having ours and stuff. But I keep hearing, even though I don't want to be paying attention at all, you know, I'm kind of worried about my my own battle going on here with my brothers. Um, I hear one, there's clearly one unbeliever and, and two believers in this group. And I kind of hear the one um, uh, girl who, who was not a believer she was kind of mocking the other two. I don't even know how they got on this topic because, again, they're playing tennis. I'm like, this is a deep conversation to be in in between matches. But um, she's just kind of mocking the other two. And she's saying, you know, you really believe in a heaven? Like, you really believe there's just some God out there, um, you know, that's just creating universes? And, you know, she's like, I believe in science. You know, I believe in science and stuff and, and things like that. And this project hadn't fully formed yet but I was kind of had the ball rolling a little bit on it and I'm just sitting there saying thank you Lord like thank you that you're showing me this because this is the kind of thing that our kids and that even adults are dealing with and this idea of and we'll get into it um I believe in science it's a crazy statement to make I mean it doesn't even make it 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 makes no sense at all when you actually look at it but we'll, we'll get into that um but just kids saying that and so you know i'm a few feet away and i i of course like i'm like no don't talk you know don't 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 but the lord is just in the back of my mind just like you know you you know you need to say something so i I politely just you know said to them um kind of just talked to them about hey um you know if you if you follow science modern science actually points to a creator if you would use science as a reason that God doesn't exist, you actually don't, you can't know much about science because it points to a creator. And so the two believers, um, I mean, the the smiles on their faces were like unbelievable. The other one, I, I maybe only made two out of three friends. You know, the other one wasn't, uh, 
wasn't as receptive. But just the point is, um, if we don't train up our kids and ourselves and stuff like this, you get false ideas out there, like a belief in science, you know, an air quoted belief in science. Um, we're kind of leaving our kids out there as like sitting ducks for, for this kind of thing. Yeah. You know, me personally, I, I guess, you know, when I was 20, I became a single mom and I had walked away from growing up in church. I'd walked away from the church pretty much once I moved out of my parents' house. And, um, I always would say things like, you know, I'm just one of those people who I don't really need to know all the details. I don't need to know the why I just believe. And I think to your point before, like I have experienced a relationship with God. So like you said, I, I was able to pull off of my own experiences, but I still had kind of a crisis of faith because I hadn't really, even though I knew the stories and I had memorized verses, there wasn't um, that rational explanation for why I believed what I believed. It was something that I just kind of grew up in. And then around age 35, I kind of had a little bit, I guess you could say a crisis of faith in the sense of I wanted more and I wanted deeper relationship with God. And I didn't even know how to do it. Like I grown up in church and I, I, other than obviously opening my Bible and reading my Bible, which of course I did, I, I saw in someone else, a depth of relationship with God that I didn't have. And I was curious, like, why don't I have that? Why don't I have the tools to have that type of relationship? And for me, it was actually jumping into Torah and learning, reading, it's called the Rational Bible from Dennis Prager. Um, and he just lays out logic and reason and rationale and um, history. Like he points to all these things that are facts essentially in relation to our faith. And I had never really seen it presented that way. And I guess that's really where my journey with apologetics started. And I didn't even realize that's the road I was going down. Um, and so my question for you is what was it for you? Why did you write the book? What was that little moment in your mind that said like, I need to do something to help other people understand this concept? Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. And it's so funny as you, as you're talking, I'm just thinking you're so not alone in the way that you describe that because it's, it's similar in a lot of ways. And when you were saying, well, all I did, at least I, I read my Bible and stuff. And I'm thinking, man, I grew up going to church and I really didn't even read the Bible much. You know, I just, I, I grew up um, going to church and it's a very similar thing. Whereas people mature um, and we'll get to this, you know, you start looking and saying like, this is a surface level, um, you know, a surface level faith or surface level spirituality, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Um, so wh why did I write the book? Yeah. Um, I don't really feel like it was my decision. You know, <laughs> I think it was really the Holy Spirit uh, who kind of prompted, who totally, totally prompted this because, yeah. um, and we'll get into my testimony, I think probably later on, but, um, you know, I was kind of really getting deeper in the faith, very similar. You know, when I got into my thirties, it was um, kind of making the change from a surface level belief to, um, God really being, you know, the number one, you know, kind of taking him out of the outside and kind of putting him as, as you know, living for Jesus, yeah. you know, li living for him and everything. And so I started finding, finding books. And I really just started reading, um, the Holy Spirit just kind of put this, 
just desire to learn about apologetics. Again, I didn't even know the term. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really Wait. didn't. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's a um, part of the reason why I wrote the book that we'll get to. A lot of this stuff, it sounds like another language. You know, you're like Christian, like you said, it sounds like you're apologizing. It's like, what are you apologizing for? You yeah. Know? Um, and so I just started reading and it was years of um, Frank Turek and Jay Warner Wallace and uh, Tim Keller and a lot of, the, a lot of these apologists who... Um, they have like, I call it like a literary feast, you know, like if you like this topic, there are so many good books out there to dive into and, and really try to um, try to learn about, try to understand and everything. And so I got interested in the topic and I just was reading and reading and reading. And for me, I really thought the whole time, man, this is just strengthening my faith. You know, like it's really for me. <laughs> it's kind of how I felt about it. It's like, this is strengthening me. The more I learn about it, the more sense it makes to me as a um, business person, kind of like analytical type, you know, different people have, we'll talk about that, but all different kind of things, just being kind of like a, you, you see, I've got like spreadsheets and stuff. In, in I was going to say, you have literal charts in your book. So <laughs> the fact that you would call yourself analytical type A does not surprise me at all. <laughs> that, you know, but that, that kind of spoke to me was really being able to line up the, yeah. um, the belief, the faith, and I've got my scripture here. I wanted to make sure I mentioned it because I've got it in, in the beginning, this uh, Hebrews 1.11. Yeah, faith is the evidence of things we cannot see. Um, evidence of things we cannot see. Evidence tells me, by definition, this is not meant to be a blind faith. That is not meant to be just something where it's like, well, I just believe because I believe. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, like we're saying, that also makes it very difficult to witness to anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So anyway... I was reading for what felt like years and kind of felt like I was starting to get a grasp of this. And I'm not, again, um, what most of these books are written by PhD, you know, scholars, you know, PhD scholars, um, people who are either scientists or um, they've got, you know, theology degrees or pastors or things like that. You know, they're the subject matter experts. They, they should be. Um, so I don't have any of that. So I'm just, you know, reading. I'm just a regular guy, just reading and kind of getting it and trying to kind of translate it almost to terms that would be kind of normal to me, you know, what, right. what would make sense in my life. And the turning point for us was um, my church um, has always had two services. Well, they've, they've had Sunday services, a couple of them, but then we always had a midweek service. We always had a Thursday night service, which is, I don't know if you guys do midweek, but just like I love midweek service so much because it's really like there's no one there who's there just out of obligation. Like yeah. you're only there on a Thursday night if yeah, you because you want to be there. <laughs> you want to be there, so it's just yeah. like it's just a wonderful, a wonderful thing, and um, it's been that way at our church for I don't know thirty something years. Well, we began a transition last year. Of course, things have you know spiraled since then with COVID and everything, but. Um, our church is launching a, a Bible college. And so totally amazing thing. It's been on our pastor's heart for a long time. And um, the result of it, though, is that these classes are going to now be happening during that night. So we're kind of pivoting from rather than a midweek service, we're saying, OK, we're going to do these Bible courses and you can be in them. And they've done a sample one. It's been amazing. Well, what does that say to you if you're going to lose a, a midweek service? For a lot of us, it said, all right, well, now we need to step up our home groups, <laughs> you know, because it's like we need something in between 
um, in between Sundays to yeah. make sure we stay connected with the body. Sure. So the beginning of the idea was, all right, let's do a home group and um, let's do it about apologetics because it's just a topic that people don't really focus on or don't know about as much. And, um, you know, I've read a bunch on it, so I'm no expert, but I can, I think I can help a little bit here. Yeah. And so as I start laying out the curriculum of what, like, all right, here's what the home group would look like. Here's what it's going to talk about. Um, God just showed me, you just need to write this, you know, you need to, you need to write this as a book. And so it totally snowballed as something that wasn't even intended to be a book at all. Like I said, I'm not a trained author. Um, always been a storyteller that snowballed into this project. And now here we are. Um, and the thing is we've got books in Australia, we've got books in Canada, we've got, and it's, you know, only a couple weeks out and it's, so it's been kind of a pretty God's plans are always better than ours. Right. I mean, that's Amen to that. Totally. <laughs> sure. Well, and I love it because, you know, I mentioned the chart, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> is different than some of these other apologetics books. I'll be honest, like the, the one that I'm currently listening to is called Mama Bear Apologetics. It's so mm -hmm. good. So, so good. Obviously it's written from a woman's perspective and it's written for mothers. And so it's incredible. And I've learned so much. Um, and I can, I can appreciate it from that perspective, but as I'm listening to it, I want to have these conversations with my 17 year old son and I'm kind of like, this is a little wordy for my 17 year old son. Like he, it's very female focused and it's very, you know, conversational in nature. Um, not that yours is not conversational in nature, but it's for sure more streamlined and just kind of like black and white, really easy to understand. And, and that's one of the things that I really appreciated about it because I feel like I could take this book, literally hand it to my 17 year old and say, take the weekend, read this through, like, let's have some conversations next week. So why did you choose to kind of go this route? Was it for a similar reason? Yeah, that's, and it's, first of all, it's just so wonderful to hear that because it's kind of like the vision of, of what it was supposed to be, you know, bear, bearing fruit, you know, happening. Um, and Mama Bear, by the way, I want, I'm like, that's on my list. I actually, um, this is going to be a kind of now with how this has happened, it's going to be kind of a series of, of books that we're going to do. So um, I don't have enough, uh, or, you know, um, you don't need a PhD to, uh, to find GOD. We're going to have, you don't need a PhD to all different ones. One of them is going cool. to be parent, parent with GOD. Um, so I have not read Mama Bear specifically because I'm like, all right, I know that's, I can't wait to read it because I know there's great stuff in there. But while we're working on ours, I, I just don't want to cloud anything where, you know, I don't want to be taking their material basically, yeah. you know, and, uh, and using it. But I have seen, um, I've seen really awesome feedback and awesome kind of reactions from primarily moms, you know, it's, they, they've yeah. got an awesome, awesome ministry going there. Um, why, why did I do it my way? Really because I needed someone else, one of my, one of my mentors to kind of tell me this because um, when I was working on the book, and kind of talking about once it's written, then it's like, all right, who you got to be thinking about, like, who are you writing it to, you yeah. know? Um, and when that's one of the kind of the things that I learned through this process is you really try and think about someone that you're writing the book to. And that kind of focuses, um, you know, just focuses your work. Well, of course, I didn't think of this, but one of my uh, one of my mentors, um, who's amazing, one of my kind of pre readers was like, you wrote this to yourself. 
you know, you wrote this to yourself from, you know, five years ago or something. And so, mm. um, which is so true. And it's so clarified for me just what, what it was about because um, I, I would need something that um, wasn't heavy on religious terms necessarily or wasn't heavy on hyper-scientific terms. I mean, I barely got through pre-algebra, you know, like I, I wouldn't need, the, both, um, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't need the like hyper scientific things yeah. um, or even the religious terms. And I'm someone who grew up going to church. Right. And even myself, I would say, man, this feels like um, it sounds almost like another language. And I'm thinking um, if that's me, what about all of my friends, family, loved one, all these people who didn't grow up in the church, that's where the concept of it sounds like another language and that's where i think i have a decided advantage this is where um it's an amazing thing because it's like god's not limited by your credentials you know so so it's like not a pastor not a scientist you know not a writer none of those things um but god will use regular people for his glory you know he'll use regular people for his glory um not to say that you just you know, blindly put something out there. This has been intensely studied and worked on sure. and everything like that, but he'll use regular people. And so um, I think it's difficult to, if I was going to try and explain right now to, to you and to, to the listeners, if I was with someone from my insurance business that I work on and we're talking shop and we were trying to explain it, it's very difficult to translate that for someone who it's not their craft because this is what we do all day long. It's all we know. Right. You know, we've got all the acronyms and all that kind of stuff. So it reminded me of, and I mentioned this in the book, you know, my wife, who's a, who's a social worker, whenever I'll get around her and her social work friends, I have no idea what they're talking about. You know, I mean, because all the, every other word's an acronym. Yeah. So there's all these kind of languages, you know, they're languages unto themselves. And so I looked at it and just kind of said, I'm reading all these books that are kind of written in that language of the scholarly apologetics, but that's not me. I couldn't actually write that if I wanted to. You know, I couldn't write that scholarly dissertation if I wanted to. What can I do? I can take what I learned, what I understand, and I can, to me, translate it um, in a way that would make sense for a regular guy or yeah. a regular girl, you know, just yeah. like kind of a, an average person. Yeah. No, I think that's so great because these concepts that you cover are somewhat challenging. I mean, they're, they're not when you break them down and you actually read them, but if you were to just say like, let's talk about the big bang theory versus creation or, you know, science versus religion, if we want to even yes. be broad about it. I mean, those can, there's so many different opinions and theories and there's, there's a lot to it. And if you don't really, haven't really studied it or don't really understand it, you can't really just jump right into that conversation. You could have your thoughts or opinions on it, but you don't really know, you know, what the Bible maybe says about those things and what all these different world, um, world views and just all these different kind of philosophies that are being taught and being kind of like pushed out these days. Um, one of the things you talked about was this wedding cake worldview. Can we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Gladly, uh, gladly talk about the wedding cake worldview. So, um, all right. So this starts, you, you saw it starts with, um, kind of going back to my, and I had to actually think about this cause I do have a big anniversary, a 10 year anniversary coming up this year. I'm like, all right, let me, what year was this? Okay. It was 2011, uh, when my wife and I got married and 
it kind of goes back to this is a common theme, me knowing nothing about anything. Um, and we're, we're there, uh, you know, learning about wedding cakes, you know, we're doing this tasting and I'm like, so we just go and we get to just taste all the, really? That's that, that's my a, a duty as a husband is to come and taste cake. I can gladly do that for you. You know, I'm happy to do that. And so we went and we tried all the different kinds and it was, you know, it was, it was great as I'm sure most people's uh, experience with that is, but I had no idea. Maybe, maybe you knew, and maybe, um, I'll, I'll give the benefit of the doubt that maybe the, the female uh, listeners know. I would have to guess a lot of the guys had no idea because I had no idea <laughs> that um, the wedding cake, you know, when you see that elaborate multi-tiered cake, sometimes it is only the very top tier that's actually cake. <laughs> you know, I didn't know that a lot of the time it's these um, styrofoam dummies underneath that are... Uh, then covered with frosting and fondant or whatever it is. Yeah. It makes it makes sense to me. It's like, all right, they got the sheet cake in the back, so they don't have to form this elaborate thing and it could fall out or whatever. And it's a, a money saving thing. Um I had no I just had never I mean, were you like, did you know that going in? I had no idea about that. I mean, I've watched Cake Wars once or twice with my kiddos. Okay. So I've seen okay. that. But yes. <laughs> I had no idea. So anyway, that that was like a at that time was was a whoa okay this is kind of just a, a light bulb thing. And so yeah. anyway, um, as I'm working on this book, and this was how it was throughout the entire process was I would get I had an idea of what I wanted to do, and I, I like I said I was started to map out kind of the curriculum that this home group would be. So I had it mapped out, but it only went to a certain point. You know, then it was like each day it was amazing. The Holy Spirit was just spoon feeding me and and not not everything just this is what today's is going to be this is what the, and just i kept just walking through where it was like i kind of know where it's going um i know we're ultimately getting to the good news of jesus christ but how exactly we're going to get there um i was just getting spoon fed and so one morning i'm downstairs i'm exercising you know it's kind of my usual routine of you know read the bible exercise pray that's start every day and I'm working out and I just had this like light bulb that went off. And now it's been, like I said, it's, I'm coming on my 10 year anniversary. It's been 10 years since this happened, but uh, Holy Spirit just just uh, gave me this light bulb about how um, very prevalent in our country and our culture today is what I would call the wedding cake worldview, which is some sort of derivative of um, happiness is all that, or, or uh, what is it? Kindness is all that matters. <laughs> kindness is all that matters is kind of uh, the thing. And I, I would say, and tell me what you think. I don't meet, I have now via this book, but I don't meet all that many hardcore atheists in my life. Um, most people I know believe there's something. I think it's hard to believe there's no God and the book would tell you it's blind faith to believe there's no God. Mm -hmm. But I don't know all that many hardcore atheists. I know a tremendous amount of people with this, what I would call this wedding cake worldview, which is, um, just this idea that um, every religious idea is equally valid. Um, you can pick and choose what you like from any different religion. You know, I call it like a make your own Sunday, you know, pun intended, uh, make yeah. your own Sunday. But it's like, you know, you just make your own, you just pick what you like. You do a little of uh, nature worship, you do a little psychics, you do a little whatever, a little Buddhism, little, you know, whatever you want. Um, that is this concept of, I'm spiritual, but not religious. And it's like, it's a personal spirituality kind of thing. And it's like, um, you may be spiritual, but like, that is not Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that is, is not Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, 
so just to kind of flesh out the the, the metaphor a little bit is when, when you look at it, um, the wedding cake appears marvelous. You know, I mean, the, the wedding cake, is, it's a magnificent thing when you look at it, um, but it won't really fulfill you. You know, if you were trying to actually eat that wedding cake, if you were trying to actually sustain on that on that wedding cake, um, you'd be sick over time. And so it's just the idea of um, it sounds great. It's like, you know, hey, everyone's beliefs, no one belief is right for anybody. It's okay. You know, you believe whatever you want to believe. And as long as you're kind to each other, you know, it's, it, it's, it's fine. That sounds good. Um, that's hollow. It's yeah. completely hollow. That doesn't answer any of the important questions in life of how did I get here? Um, is there an afterlife? Is there a purpose for my life? That hollow worldview doesn't tell me anything. Mm-hmm. It just is kind of like, hey, I'll just cross my fingers and just I'll try and be kind to people. And um, hopefully that's good enough. Yeah. So, so it's something where, you know, you look at Jesus there's this small bit of truth to it. Like the yeah. cake has this small piece of truth to it. The very top is actual cake that you could eat and it would actually give you some nutrients, yeah. even if it's cake. Yeah. Um, it's only a small piece of truth. Kindness is not a bad thing. This is not like an anti-kindness thing. Yeah. You know I mean? Jesus right. is praying praying for people while he's getting nails banged into his hands. Um, he's praying for people. He's telling people, um, you know, you heard it said that you love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He's saying, no, no, no. Love your love your neighbor, love your enemy. When your enemy slaps you on one cheek, tur- turn the other cheek. So kindness, it's it's you know, of course that's part of Christianity, but it, it, that's taking a small truth, and the enemy does this all the time. Yeah, it's taking a small piece of truth and saying kindness is what you need. Um, but then you lose the gospel. <laughs> you know, you lose the good yeah. stuff. Well, and and in this book, uh, Mama Bear Apologetics, she talks about how we're in almost like a post-postmodern society to where, like you said, like all these theologies, all these worldviews, they've kind of just started to mesh and meld together. And there's no real truth. There's no, you know, everything is subjective. Um, you live your truth. You know, and and these are kind of the philosophies and the terms that we hear so so much these days. Um, it's really concerning for me. I think especially what's kind of spurred me to care more than ever is the fact that I have a 17 year old who's going to be a senior next year and has every intention of wanting to go off to college. And that time bomb in my mind is just like I only have so much time to make sure he understands that the worldviews and the philosophies and the theologies that he's going to hear when he is sitting in front of a professor, um, that those are options, I guess, but at the end of the day, they're not the truth and that the truth, the moral truth and the moral standard for our lives comes from the Bible period, end of story. And, you know, that's something that, obviously with me growing up, like I was told, but I didn't have these evidences to point to. And I didn't have this foundation to necessarily um, logically understand that those were the things uh, that I had been learning. You know, I think as a Christian that our faith and our Christianity should become our worldview, that those things should impact our worldview. So I know we didn't really you didn't really touch on a whole lot of this, but just curious, you know, when, when it comes to topics, like we're talking about on the podcast, like 
LGBTQ and abortion and some of these like hot topics in our society right now, I don't think people realize how much evidence really is there in the Bible to support why we, um, why we feel the way we do as Christians in, in some of these areas. And it's just interesting to me that even Christians now, you know, have taken on a lot of these like postmodern worldviews and just under the guise, kind of to what you're saying, under the guise of kindness, under the guise of tolerance. Um, and so I know your kiddos are a little bit on the younger side, but I feel blessed to have found this now. One, that my child is still in, at home and I have at least a year or two before he's, he's out of here. Um, but then my other little ones who are 12 and five, you know, now I know, and now I can start sowing these seeds early. Um, in the context of parenting, why do you think apologetics is so important? And what are maybe you and your wife doing if you've got any examples of maybe some of the little things that you're doing to kind of start helping your children understand some of the rational reasons for, for their faith. Sure. Sure. Yeah, actually it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because we were, I was in bed, um, laying with my, my son, we kind of usually do a split up. We've got the, the, the two girls, uh, share a room and then my son's got, got a room. So my wife and I all kind of split, you know, who's, who's putting, uh, who to bed, you know, uh, each yeah. night we've got a little, as I'm sure you got, you know, we got a routine of how, uh, how that goes, but I, I had this written down because one of the things, and this is amazing. Do you guys use the, do, are you familiar? Do you use the U version app? Yeah. You familiar yeah. with that? For your, for your listeners, if you guys aren't on U version, um, that is such an amazing tool. It is such a cool thing. I really wasn't that familiar with it um, until the past couple couple of years, and now it's exploded. Because it, even I'm thinking about growing up, it's like you would never think about, you know, of course, no one was like on their phones or on it. But now, I mean, everyone's Bible is on. You know, you have your Bible on your phone or on your iPad or whatever. Yeah. And um, so yeah, that was this was one of the things. And I'll just quickly, I want to I want to put it, but with you version, if you don't have it, just go download it. Any of your listeners, like, just get it. it it's, it's a great thing. Um, cause I've been telling this to people, whether it be, um, kids, even, you know, as young as, as my kids, but any kids is the, um, hurdle of language in the Bible is not an excuse. You know, like I, when I first started reading it and I know people have different and your listeners, I'm sure will have different feelings on this. Some people are it's King James or it's nothing, or, you know, I, I know there are people with different, different opinions on this, but, um, when I first kind of really started diving into the word, you know, like about age 30 and I started reading King James, I struggled for a long time because I just, you know, the these and thous and all that, it, it wasn't, you know, it was difficult to read. Yeah. I tell people um, when it comes to kids or when it comes to younger people is like, particularly with the version app, there's no excuse. That is not a valid, that is no longer a valid excuse because there's every single translation that you could ever need. And like, so for instance, the one, um, the ICB, that International Children's Bible, that's one of the translations on on uh, version. So like my son and I are laying there and, and we were just reading a little bit, you know, we're just reading through and it's awesome because, um, hey, I, I can benefit from the children's version too. I can understand okay. it. And one of the things that we came upon, and this is so God, so it's not a, I, I used to say things like, this was so surprising that this, it's like, no, like this is God, these things happen, you know, he, he does these things. Yeah. Um, 
But one of the things we came upon, Philippians, you know, Philippians 1.7, in this um, International Children's Bible, says, uh, you share, it's Paul, you know, he's talking, he's saying, you share in God's grace with me while I'm in prison, while I'm defending the good news, and while I'm proving the truth of the good news. Mm. So he's talking about, even back at that time, defending it and proving the truth of it. This has been part of witnessing the whole time. He also talks about being in prison, <laughs> which is... That's one of those things where he was in prison because what he was saying was not necessarily the most popular thing with the cultures he was in. That's a reminder to us. That was something that I talked to Anthony about. It's just like, I just heard it on a sermon. People would probably tell Paul, hey, if you would just tweak it a little bit, if you would just change the message a little bit, you know, it might not be a jailhouse ministry. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't be getting thrown in jail. Um, that's not what we're called to do. Yeah. You know, we're called to bring... Uh, to bring the gospel in truth. And, and I can tell you, um, again, I'll, I'll give you a quick story on this if we're on the topic of truth, because um, my middle child, Mia, is six now, and this happened uh, last year. But I think you, you, you read this story, but we had the um, discussion about facts versus opinions. And this wasn't something I brought up, you know, it wasn't like a, uh, you know, some sort of great parenting I did. She, she brought it and her thing is, um, once bedtime comes, now it's time to unload every single thing we can talk about from the day, unleash every story possible. Yes. So dad, you got to hear what I, what I learned about in school. All the, you know, she's giving me all the stories and I'm just like, you know, patience only to a certain level. So anyway, she's telling me something she learned in school and she's saying about how, um, you know, I learned that a fact is, you know, two plus two equals four. An opinion is, you know, my favorite color is purple. And it's an opinion because it's only me. That's only about me. And a fact is, you know, that's for everybody. And that was another one of these Holy Spirit things where the light bulb went off. And I'm just saying, okay, you know, my daughter's in first grade. At that time, she understands the difference between a truth, which is a universal truth, true for everyone. Right. Two plus two equals four for everyone. It doesn't really matter what your opinion is on that. It doesn't matter what your truth is on that. Yeah. Two plus two equals four. Yeah. Like that's for everyone at all times. Right. Even if there was no one on the planet, right? If there was two apple trees over here, two pear trees over here, yeah. if there was not a soul on the planet, those are laws that humans did not create math. You know, we live in an orderly universe, which, you you know, I talk about kind of at length in the book, but we live in this orderly universe. The laws of mathematics, we didn't make them up. And so when you start looking at things like that, when you start looking at morality, moral laws, just like the laws of mathematics, you start looking and saying, wow, these also apply to everyone. These also, it doesn't matter what your opinion is about them. There are universal moral truths that apply to everyone at all times. Mm -hmm. And so um, things like if you took a statement of, you know, it is morally wrong to torture babies. You know, you take something horrible. It's morally wrong to torture babies. You can ask a child this. Is that a two plus two equals four kind of thing that is for everyone? Or is that a, your favorite color is purple and it really depends on the situation if it's okay to torture babies? No, that's a universal truth that applies to everyone at all times. Yeah. Just that idea will ruffle a lot of feathers. Because <laughs> totally. 
it is this idea, like you said, the post postmodern of no one belief is right for everyone. I would say, well, no, I, I, I believe two plus two equals four. And I, I believe that that's right for everyone. Yeah. And also I believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is a universal truth that is right for everyone. Yeah. Well, I love how, like you were saying, that was kind of the, the end, if you will, like the whole book basically leads towards the gospel, which I love because you did such a great job kind of disproving so many of these, you know, just theories that are floating around these days that I love that you included that because that's the next logical step. If you have gotten to the point where you can no longer believe, you know, necessarily the lies and kind of going back to what you had said before about the cake, that small piece of truth, the enemy is so good at like, let's look at big bang for, for instance, like, yes, the world did just come into creation. We can call that big bang, or we can call that God, the creator of the universe. So it's really just, it's been about wordplay over the last several decades. It's been about, um, taking the actual truth and just slanting it a little bit so that it fits kind of a more of a cultural narrative. And that's really dangerous, I think, for our kids, you know, coming up. And I, I love that the logical conclusion to the book was, do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Because you've already debunked <laughs> all the all the excuses to that point. You're you're so right in that. Like take the Big Bang Theory as an example, the one you're using. Even the show, I don't know if you've ever seen you ever see that show, The Big Bang Theory. Yeah. It's like, you know, you've got they're scientists. This is the whole thing. And the Big Bang Theory, they're scientists, and it's kind of like they're the hyper smart, not explicit, but basically atheist scientists. And then, you know, like one of the main characters' moms is supposed to be this like backwoods, um, you know, religious person from and there's kind of that rub. And it's it is it's comedy, you know, the Big Bang right. Theory. Frank Turk, though, and I, I quote him, you know, he's one of the apologists, I, I, one of the PhDs that, you know, subject matter expert, but he says, you know, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. I just know who banged it. Yeah. You know, it's like this whole idea of, yeah, the earth um, exploded into being. It's been scientifically proven. The earth exploded into being all time, space, matter. Boom. There was nothing. And then bang, there was something. So just like our spreadsheet, you're kind of left with these two choices of, all right, if there is a God, then... God caused all time, space, and matter to explode into being out of nothing. If there's no God, then you're telling me nothing caused time, space, and material to come into being out of nothing. Mm -hmm. That just, again, I don't need a PhD to know, like, that really doesn't make all that much sense to me. This hits on another point, though, which is oftentimes skeptics and atheists, they're not actually telling you what they believe. All, they, all they're doing is saying... I don't know what happened, but it just couldn't be what, it just couldn't be God. You know, anything but God. That's something you run into all the time of um, these concepts of like, okay, so you're telling me that you disagree with my position. Oh, okay, that's fine. You probably insult me for it. Okay, that's fine too. What's your position on it? Because you haven't actually given me anything, you know. Usually they'll be like, oh, well, you know, science says, it's like, no, 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 science says nothing. Don't tell me that science says anything. Scientists say something. That's another that's another point from, from Frank Turek, which is like every scientist is a human who has a worldview and has preconceptions. And a lot of them throw out the potential for miracles ahead of time. 
you know, they're so married to the idea that there's no God that even if you have things like you'll read in the book where science is pointing towards a creator, well, they can't accept that because they've already thrown it out. So you have to just kind of keep blindly searching around to try and find something natural mm-hmm. where um, really science points you to a creator. Yes. And then like nowadays, I mean, I don't want to get too deep into politics, COVID, 2020, all of that, but it's very interesting to kind of sit back and be a person who uses critical thinking skills and logic and watch the last year of our lives unfold and question like, where are the critical thinking skills and where, where does the logic, like a lot of the just things that are being said in media and um, just policies that are being put into place, the logic doesn't work. Like I've sat back this last year and just said like, okay, let's take this to its logical conclusion. And the logical conclusion stops here and then turns around and goes the other way. Like there's almost like self-defeating statements, a, a lot of these things that we've been hearing this year. So let's talk about that really quick. And then I I wanna hear about how you have, what you've experienced as you've been sharing your book and these ideas with the people that you've been in contact with over the last little bit. Sure, sure. All right, so the first one was, what were we saying? We were talking about the self-defeating ideas, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that, and just a lot of it to me is fear-based, you know? I mean, a lot of it is fear-based. And you're, listen, you you are, everything changes if you are think about what a worldview an atheist worldview actually um what that would mean for someone on every sense of what they're doing what it matters because then you have you're really an accident of nature i mean there's really no i don't see why i mean i talk about it but like there's no human rights you know in one breath like i think you're pointing this out it's like in one breath um you know, you'll have people screaming about human rights and in the next breath they're saying, but there's no God. And I'm saying, well, then um, what does it matter? Why would I Why would I care if I'm an accident of nature in the same way, you know, you look at like the, uh, um, like I talk about in the book, like the hyena and, and the wildebeest. It's like, listen, if I'm just an animal, if you're telling me that I'm just an evolved animal, um, why would I have any more moral obligation to someone than the hyena does who attacks the wildebeest or then the lion does that then comes and intimidates and scares off the hyenas and, and takes and takes that meal? Um, animals don't have a moral obligation to one another. So like you're saying, the logic doesn't make a lot of sense for you to tell me, well, you need to take, you know, you need to treat people right. And there's, why? Why do I need to? Someone, a person's, um, value or anything value is derived from its creator. Yeah. You don't really care if I'm on a poster, if I've got a poster of a Picasso or something and I printed it on my print, no one really cares about that. I don't have anyone coming in, into my house like a museum to look at. It matters who the creator is, you know, right. like, you know, a Picasso, okay, the creator was special, then yes, we care about, about the painting. Um, that's what it's like for people too. The reason why people have inherent value and have always, we've, oh, you don't have to be taught that. No one told you or I, hey, you should really care about other people because all life is valuable. No one looks at, you know, a picture like I, I talk about of, you know, you see a, ch- a child in a third world country or something. You don't look and say, 
all right, um, I'd like to know about some of the decisions they've made, some of their values, then I'll determine if their life has value or not. Nobody thinks that way because that's not what reality is. We know there's inherent value in every person. And why would that be but for the fact that the creator is special and so therefore the creation is special? Yeah. And then as far something you said just reminded me of this too. As far as, you know, this last year or so is concerned, I actually have a lot of empathy and sympathy for people who don't have Christ right now. I can't imagine not believing there's a God, having no hope and feeling like you have no purpose now more than ever. I mean, like normal everyday life is challenging. So to go through a season where you're just being bombarded with fear day in and day out, to think that you're just a random thing on this planet until you, one day you're dead. Like I can imagine, I really try to put myself in someone's shoes who, um, who's in that position where it just makes me sad that there are people who, you know, there's no, there's are no hope. choosing nothing, right? They're choosing their choice. Cause they, it is a choice. Like you believe in God or you believe in whatever else, the thing that you believe in. Um, even if you're saying I'm agnostic, you're still, it's an, it's a choice. Um, and so I just feel for people who are going through life right now, especially without that hope. It, it takes, first of all, it takes a, and this has been, this is something that I would tell every person on this topic and that I would challenge every atheist or agnostic about, like we, we started to talk about, which is, um, it takes faith to believe there is no God. It is not just faith to believe that there is God. It, that, that's another one of these things where it's like, you'll kind of run into like, I think you're getting at of um, whether or not there's a burden of proof. A lot of the time, if you're dealing with a skeptic, they'll take no burden of proof at all. They'll say, it's all on you. You need to prove to me and say, okay, well, I'll give you my reasoning why. Uh, they'll have no reasoning. You know, they'll have no reasoning other than a vague, like, you know, I believe in science kind of thing um, or whatever. That leads to, like you're saying, you have no hope you have no purpose. And that's why we all are called. Every believer is called the great commission. My pastor always says it. it's great. He's like, it's not called the great recommendation. Like this is not a, Hey, you know, it's your choice. Maybe you could go share the, no, no. Like we are called, every believer is called to share the good news of Jesus Christ with all nations. That's what we're called to do. Um, and we need to shine that light in the darkness because that's what it is. People are, they're not the enemy. That's an important, right. that, I think that's a really important thing to, to talk about. Because you want, and this is kind of segueing into what you you um, asked about, you know, dealing with people. Um, I've gotten some kind of like, as you would imagine, nasty, you know, messages back from people where I'm putting out things on the book. I'm promoting it on Facebook and on, you know, different places um, with a message. And so, of course, you're going to get the Internet trolls who are going to um, put in, you know, oh, it's the invisible man in the sky or unicorns or all this kind of thing. Um one thing that I would say, and I'd say it like you asked about parenting and stuff, people who are like that, even if they're being jerks, which they are, like, listen, I'm human. I see it and I'm like, this guy, what are you, you're an idiot. What are you doing? You know, I'm human. Okay. Yeah. They're not, but they're not, that's my initial reaction. Sure. They're not the enemy. They're the, they're the mission field. Like Correct. these are the people where we need to be shining the light of truth to them. A lot of them either didn't grow up in the, either they are, you know, like, fell away from the church for whatever reason, or maybe they never knew the Lord. Maybe they never grew up, um, had no interaction with church. And what does that do when you're in the world 
and you ha you don't have Christ, you're a cynic, you're negative, you're hopeless, you have really like there's nothing beyond this. So you're kind of just like, of course you're going to have a negative outlook. So when someone brings that, my first reaction is always like, man, I want to like you know go back at them, um, even though I'm into apologetics and like have studied it intensely and I get into back and forth with people i'm really not a i don't really appreciate the combat like some people are really into the combative like trying to win an argument with someone i like really going back in love and just kind of saying like and i i have told people online like you're not my enemy like i think if we were face to face like you and i are right now even on zoom um we'd have a wonderful conversation even if someone was a diehard atheist mocking whatever like we'd be fine we'd have a fine conversation um so that would be my kind of thing is like when we encounter people is bring them the truth in love. I read it. I think it was in tactics. I read it in some book where it's like, you don't need to get them to the foot of the cross. You just need to be a rock in their shoe. Mm. You know? So it's like, if you can just plant a little something, the Holy spirit has to do it. Absolutely. You can plant the farmer can plant the, we have to do our due diligence. Like, you know, we have to do all that. Nothing happens without the Holy spirit. Only the Holy spirit can, you know, change someone's heart. And we talk oh. about that and, you know, we, we talk about that. Yeah. So, um, and neither you or to be I, it. James, are the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right. We are not the Holy <laughs> Spirit. We cannot, you know, push someone to make a decision or guilt trip them or scare them or any of that into a relationship with Jesus that, that like you said, is a hundred percent the Holy Spirit. And, um, I am all about planting the seed. I think at the end of the day, that's what we're called to do is plant that seed. So I love that. Before Rick, War we, Rick Warren, uh, Rick Warren says that uh, more people are attracted to Jesus than are persuaded to Jesus. So mm -hmm. one of the things that, and like this is what you're doing, right? Like you have this wonderful ministry. People are going to look at you and are going to say, "Wow, like what does she have? She's got something going on. Like she has something going on. Let me learn more about it." And then if there's pushback, you can use apologetics and things like that. But more people are attracted than you know, you get into an argument with them and they say, you know what? I really see it your way. That makes a lot of sense. Like it doesn't usually go. I'm going to be just like you. You're such a, <laughs> like, exactly. no, that's not exactly. happening anywhere. Exactly. So yeah. yeah, no. And I, I love that and I appreciate it. And I appreciate again, the, the logic of the book, because first of all, let me just show you guys this really quick. It's not very big. Okay. This is like a very easily digestible book, not only in its content, but in its size. And I think honestly, especially the ending here, it's such a, it's a great tool that if you're not, um, comfortable sharing your faith, this really is kind of a, a bit of a manual as to how to do that. And I'll tell you this really quick before we wrap up is I was having a conversation with a girlfriend. It was the night before the election and um, she had already placed her vote. I was excited to do mine on the day of, and we were just discussing some of the, uh, some of the topics, the hot topics. And, um, you know, abortion was one of the ones that came up for us. And, you know, her, even though she is a Christian, her, her worldview says, I don't have the right to tell anyone else what they can and can't do with their body. Whereas my worldview says, I have to stand up for people with no voice and I have to um, stand by the commandment that God says thou shalt not murder. And in my mind, in my, from my biblical philosophy, that is what's happening. And 
I felt, but I also felt ill-equipped to really have that conversation further. And I feel like having something like this that doesn't necessarily talk about specifics like that, but just gives you kind of a frame of reference for how you can logically converse with people on these harder topics. Um, it would have been really helpful to have back then. So I'm really glad that I have it now and that I can move forward in having those tougher conversations in person with my friends, but also in a, in a context like this. Um, and then again with my kids, which I'm really excited about. So thank you for making a book that is so just easy to, um, understand. And I'm going to, like I said, I, it's not, let me say this really quick before I, I wrap up is it's not necessarily for just the guys, but if you're a guy who is not super into reading or is now your interest is peaked, but you're not going to sit down and read this huge, you know, theological dissertation on all of this, this is honestly, it's an excellent, um, it's an excellent resource. So thank you so much, James, for writing that. And um, yeah. Any other final words of wisdom for us? I would just, I would just say uh, thank you again. It's a wonderful ministry. I, I'm, it's an honor, a true honor, to get to talk with you on this. I'm so, you know, this isn't. It won't end here for me. I, I'll, I will be paying attention to keep, you know, following along and listening and seeing because you've got all these interesting topics that are coming on. So I'm, I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do through, um, you know, through you, through your ministry. And um, I, I want to mention, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, but I, I want to mention too that I did, we've got this page, um, yeah. you know, my, my webpage is authorjamesfink.com, uh, www.authorjamesfink.com. You can find more information on the book, um, other free resources. I've got a free resource on um, a Christian guide to demolishing anxiety because we're not trying to just get by, you know, we want to thrive. Yeah. Um, so I've got that. But um, I want to mention the page. This is just for 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 your listeners. Um, and it's authorjamesfink.com slash favorite people. And so we've got that set up just for for listeners of this podcast. And we've got a free resource on there as well. That's um, Spreadsheet Nerd, as we talked about. Um, I love them. That took a spreadsheet and kind of prettied it up um, in a PDF where it kind of takes the God versus no God worldviews, that comparison and there's a free um, there's a free download on that page. So authorjamesfink.com slash favorite people. Um, you can get more information there. And I just really appreciate you having me on. Thank you again so much. Yeah, you're welcome. And you're on Instagram and on Facebook. Author James Author Fink. James Fink everywhere. Again, I told you it was weird having being introduced as author James Fink. You know, I'm not I'm not that's uh, that's new. That's new to me. But yeah, Instagram, Facebook everywhere, just author James Fink. Very cool. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I will be following along with you as well. And uh, next book, we'll have you on again. And, or we can even just talk apologetics anytime. I, I'd love that. So thanks awesome. again. Thank you. Have a great day. I'll see you later. You too. All right. Take care. Bye. Hey friends, thanks so much for watching and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure to like and subscribe to this channel and hit that little notification bell so you know every time I post something new. Of course, check out Peace Love t-shirts as well. That's where you can get all of our Life Jesus style gear and all my favorite people gear. Thanks for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.